Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Cool Mom 101. It's Emily Kylo, your host here, and I hope you are all having a fabulous week so far. Happy Tuesday. I hope your weekends were awesome. Mine was really good. I um, The highlights were Leo's um, little cousin came over to go swimming, so we had some nice family time. And I also went and met some friends, some girlfriends for happy hour on Saturday, which is always recharging for me. So that was that. Oh, and I got my lashes done, which I've been really missing. So lash on, wax off. Um, Katie did my lashes and they look amazing. I've definitely been missing it. So I was glad I finally had a chance to get them done. And I just feel like myself again. So let's get to the confidence tip of the week. For this week, my tip for you is to create a playlist in Spotify that keeps your confidence high and just makes you feel fly and it's the songs you just want to fucking get up and dance to. So this is something I've been doing for a while, but I have a bad bitch playlist, of course, and it's something where... I know that I ever, if I ever want to get out of a certain kind of mood or I'm not feeling as confident, I can throw on that playlist and it just amps my energy up. Maybe I dance a bit, maybe I just rap along, who knows, depends on the mood. But so that's my tip for the week is to create your very own playlist. It can be on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you kind of listen to your music. And it's something that you can just turn to when you just need that little boost which we all do from time to time. So for this episode, I'm so excited to have my friend, the lovely Larissa Souza, joining me. She is the manager of girls clubs in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. And this episode, we chat expectations around motherhood and how she dealt with those. We talk about how important the support of family is, especially that first month. And we also talk about how culturally it's not as prevalent in North America, in my experience, to have that sort of um, support where maybe your parents would live with you for the, the first month, that type of thing. And we also talk about her work as an advocate for girls' education and how she got into that. So I think you're going to find this episode super inspiring. Um, I love chatting with Larissa. She is just such a go-getter and she's doing so many amazing things and is just changing the world and making the world a better place. So let's get to it. Here's episode 33 with Larissa Sosa. So welcome to the show, Larissa. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. (laughs) Okay, we are going to jump right into the mom fashions 
portion mm-hmm. of the show. So what is the best part about being a mom? Well, um, I think everything, just the, to be able to be part of this person's life and the good, the bad, the caretaking, the hugs, the stress. I think everything makes the, the it uh, thing of being a mom for me. So the whole package. Yeah, I think it's about the whole package. I love that. And what's the hardest lesson you've learned so far as a mom? Um, I think it's a continuous lesson. Um, the fact that you have this child that uh, it only has the beginning, uh, which was uh, the giving birth part. And then you have to then take care of him or her forever, you know? (laughs) And I think, especially for me, um, I've had a lot of support from my family And I always say it takes a herd to raise a child. So um, I think uh, the lesson there is that I can't do it myself. So um, the thing is, I don't have control of everything else. So I think um, the lesson for me is that you need to be ready to to face the world uh, as well as raising this child with the world. Yes, absolutely. And asking for help, I notice is something a lot of moms I talk to struggle with. So it's Mm -hmm. really good that you seem to have that part down. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you're right. It's not, it's not a job to do alone. That is for sure. Yeah. (laughs) What is your daily ritual? So what are some things that you do every day? Maybe when you wake up in the morning or before bed that helps keep you kind of grounded in your day? Well, it depends. (laughs) Um, At the moment, uh, because of COVID, I'm working from home. So I have basically a different ritual. Um, The other time is when I'm in the park working and then I have um, another. But um, at the moment, uh, I normally wake up early, get myself ready and I start work. And because it's winter here, my son wakes up a bit late. So it gives me time to work a bit uh early in the morning and then um uh, when he wakes up um i normally go and give him a bath freshen him up uh, make breakfast and ensure he has something to do um he's three so he was going to kindergarten but because of covid um they're not going to to school anymore so i have to make sure i organize something on the previous day for him to do in the morning and in the afternoon, then he, he goes and plays outside or something. Um, uh, in the afternoon, I normally finish work around four or five. If I don't have meetings, then I go out and I play with him for like an hour. Um, and then shower, dinner, and then we have the, the book reading session. He really enjoys um, when myself or my husband reads for him at night. So I think that's, that's a g- good ending for the day. And we talk about what he did so that uh, we try and see if he remembers what did he like, what he didn't like. And um, one thing we also do in the morning is we always ask him, who, who did he dream of? And it's always very interesting. <laughs> that's so cool. 
Yeah. That's and funny. he, in the beginning, he used to just say, I, I dreamt of mommy. And then he tells like <laughs> a funny story. And then my husband one day complained and he's like, oh, you only dream of mommy. And after that, he always says, I dreamt of mommy and daddy. And then he tells a story. <laughs> so he didn't want to make his dad feel bad. So it was very cute. Oh my goodness. That is really cute. I love that you end with yeah. the, the story kind of ritual. I think that's, yeah. I mean, that's how I personally end my day. Not even just with yeah. my son, but for myself, I read yeah. every night before bed and I find it's a really nice kind of calming, winding exactly. down. Yeah. So I can totally see how a three-year-old, that's great to have that ritual in their lives as well. Yeah. And what are you most so, grateful yeah. for in your life right now? Um, I think, uh, I've been surrounded by blessings. Uh, I've worked very hard for many things in my life. Um, this year I'm actually turning 30 and uh, it's just making me think what I've done, how I've done, how I've accomplished these things. And I think, uh, I'm thankful for my family. Uh, I'm thankful for my career. And I think I'm also thankful for uh, being able to have the opportunity to change people's lives. Absolutely. Those are really amazing things to be grateful for. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. And last one for the opening segment here. What is your why for your life? So what gets you up in the morning? Why do you work hard at your, at your work and at other things in your life? What's your why? Um, I think it's, um, uh, a lot of things. I don't think it's one thing. Um, but it starts with hope. Um, uh, first thing I hope that, uh, now that I have a son, he, he's my number one thing, but I have hopes that the world can be a better place for him to live in. And I think uh, starting from hope, um, how I can make this better world for my son to live in. I think that that is my why. Absolutely. It's always a good why to figure out how you can leave the world a better place, especially when you exactly. have. Yeah, exactly. when, not even just your, your kids, or even if you don't have kids, but for future generations to come. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's no longer a, a me factor. It's an our factor, how we can do it together. Yes, exactly. So something I was curious to ask you about was, um, so starting at the kind of beginning of your journey into motherhood. So how was your pregnancy? Mm -hmm. And if you want to share a bit about your birth story. So when you transitioned from being pregnant mama to, you know, the mom of a little boy. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I am, I'm very grateful. I had such an amazing pregnancy. Uh, one thing I, I was personally very surprised was that I gained <laughs> 17 kilos and everyone would ask me, where did all of <laughs> that weight go um I think that uh, my pregnancy was was really good I didn't have sick no sickness at all and I remember waking up um most nights around 3 or 4 a.m and asking my husband for snacks oh that's where 
17 kilos <laughs> came from. <laughs> That's I was, got that. I had really good appetite. I was uh, the so-called glowing. I, I was really, <laughs> really, really <laughs> enjoying my pregnancy. So I'm very happy about that. Um, about the birth, um, my son was two weeks overdue. And my mom was actually at the time traveling in China. And on the day that she arrived, that's when he was born. I think we all say that he was waiting for my mom to arrive. That's so cute. Yeah. And he has these, these, well, when he was smaller, he, he, he was really, really had these really tiny eyes. And so we used to call him the Chinese boy. (laughs) Little, just a little guy. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm not sure about um so in Mozambique. So here in Canada when women are overdue mm-hmm. it's quite common. It depends who your primary care provider is, but it's quite common here culturally I would say. This is not everywhere. Again, it depends the type of care you have, etc., but it's common that once the woman is overdue for you know two weeks they might want to talk about inducing labor and is that is that common in Mozambique as well do they like to try and like get the process going once you're overdue um yeah yeah I think my my doctor actually asked me about that Mm -hmm. and um I told him I wouldn't do it if my mom wasn't here Okay. So I I was also actually waiting for my mom. (laughs) So, but yeah, yeah. The doctors, they suggest, and it's up to you. It's up to the woman to decide if they want to or not. Because we, we are somehow um, very religious. So we always try to, to relate it to like, well, it's not the time yet. God um, has not decided yet that you are going to, to, to have the child. So normally we just wait, but yeah. if it's a, a risky case or health-wise, they normally then have to decide to have a cesarean instead. Okay, right. And I yeah. wonder what the rates, I should have looked this up, I wonder what the rates of C-section are like there, because they're very high in the U.S. in particular. Um, in Canada, they're a little high as well, because the, um, I think it's the WHO puts out an example of what the C-section rates should stay around in like a Mm -hmm. healthy population. And I remember, yeah, in the U S it's like, I think it's almost double because I think it's supposed to be more like 10%. Don't quote me on these numbers. I'll look them up, but it's something like 10%. And then in the U S it's more like 20, something like that. So, yeah, it's quite common um, Mm -hmm. there. And in Canada, it's a little, a little more common than a lot of other places as well. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting how, how a pregnancy, which is really the same like mechanism, no matter where the woman is, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. same way, yeah, same things happen. Um, but the birth stories and the pregnancies can be just so different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in, in, in the rural area is not very common, not at all. No, I would, because I would most, most, yeah, most of the women, um have births at home or in the 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 local uh clinics which mm-hmm. don't normally don't have even have a doctor they only have like nurses right so yeah they they don't have 
uh, many cesarean cases. Right. Um, but in the big cities, they there are women who actually choose to have a cesarean without even trying to give a normal birth. Yeah. But it's very rare. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's actually an issue in um, Brazil in particular. They have a lot of women that choose. And here's it. My, yeah. my thoughts are in birth, especially, um, and pregnancy is it really should be up to the woman. So if yeah. for some reason that's the only, whichever reason valid for you, if that's the way you want to give birth, I I'm for that. Um, yeah. I just think it's it's so common in certain places that I think a lot of women just don't think of other options. Which, yeah. Yeah. So that's when I think it can become a bit of an issue if, if that's kind of the default. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what about after birth? How do you think your expectations around motherhood were fulfilled or not fulfilled and yeah how did you find that kind of newborn experience um i think on the day that i gave birth uh it took me a couple of hours to realize that that child had come out out of me (laughs) and i remember my mom and my mother-in-law telling me that i had to go uh, and shower and I was like, no, I can't leave the baby here alone. Aww. And they were like, no, we are here. And they like, uh, you should really go and like have a shower and clean yourself up. And I was like, no, I can't leave the baby alone. I don't know. It's just <laughs> things just started like slowly falling. And um, yeah, but it was just, it was just um, a good feeling. But you, you can't describe, you know, when you have feelings that you just can't describe. And, um, uh, I think, um, there were so many people in the hospital, my friends, my, my family, cousins, the aunts. Uh, so it was just an overwhelming feeling, uh, on that day. But afterwards, I think slowly I started to, to, to get the hang of it and understanding. And I think one of the things that I was very surprised and I, I don't think I, I read much about it was how painful it was to breastfeed, like in the beginning. Oh, I and feel you. I am, <laughs> I am such a small person and my boobs were so big. And if I didn't breastfeed for like three or four hours, they would explode. And oh, that was crazy. I think that was one of the things I wasn't expecting. And it happened so um but I, I did try to read a lot all these um little special details uh, <laughs> but that was one thing that i i didn't read much about so that was surprising for me um i think i i got a lot of tips and uh, information from a lot of my aunts everyone had an idea and suggestion of what to do how to do of course um, <laughs> yeah and um one thing also that was um something that i wasn't expecting is that i got i think five stitches uh and that was very painful (laughs) oh yeah Um, it's it's interesting too because i had like one stitch even and it was um 
it wasn't even, it was like not even on the part you would think. It was like on the labia. <laughs> and that yeah. honestly was the most painful part of labor for me. Yeah. So I think, I think, yeah. For me too. And I did a completely unmedicated birth at home. So like I didn't have any, um, painkilling drugs or anything, but I didn't find the labor part. I mean, it, there's a lot of pressure and it's intense, but I swear yeah. to goodness, the one stitch that I had to have, that yeah. the most. I think too, because your, yeah. your natural chemicals in your body are kind of winding down. So the natural yeah. painkillers that I had created were kind of gone. And I was like, this is not okay. I'm like, I've already done the first part. What are you doing to me? Exactly. Exactly. I yeah. think for me it was the same because my first two stitches, I didn't feel I was full oh. of adrenaline. And then the I think they were moving uh my son somewhere else. I don't know, they were measuring him or something. So then I turn and I see the doctor with this <laughs> big needle. And I was like, no, what are you doing? Let's get that out so of here. I felt it. Exactly. I felt the three last stitches. Oh man. Yeah. So similar. It's like I was fine up until that point. And then I was like, what? the heck is this don't do it anymore exactly. i was like just leave it it's fine <laughs> it's all done yeah i'm like it's fine the kid's here he's healthy can you leave leave that part of me alone for now please <laughs> yeah that was interesting and how did you find um something that i found quite difficult was i had really intense um like baby blues for the first two weeks I was just like crying all the time and I just I felt so overwhelmed and I was mm -hmm. I was like is this how I'm gonna is this who I am now like this mess of emotions and I just yeah I was really concerned and you're sleep deprived and you're dealing with I was like you dealing with breastfeeding and all I had a similar challenge with like oversupply and trying to deal with that and I was like is this my life now and I think I feel very very grateful that it was just that you know short time period after for me but what I yeah. realized is that for a lot of women those types of feelings that anxiety that depression continues and that's you know what we would call postpartum depression it turns into that yeah um so I felt really grateful that I just you know just luckily happened to kind of pass through that phase so can you yeah. talk a bit about how emotionally you kind of were adapting to becoming a mom? I think um, uh, my husband was always very present mm -hmm. and um, he always tried to keep me busy and he read quite a lot about everything. So um I, I don't think I was that emotional or maybe I didn't show, but for example, when I had the, the problem with the, the, the breastfeeding and stuff, I, I remember he would get me uh, wet towels and he would like place it on my, my breasts at night when I was feeling uh, some pain and I, I had normal sleep because um, I would sleep very early and then have like wake up on the times that I needed to breastfeed. 
Right. And everything was like being done for me because I was staying at my mom's place for the first full month. So I think I, I, I had a lot of support. I wasn't, I was basically doing nothing. My husband got holidays, so he was staying at home all the time. My parents were there. So I, I was like surrounded by people all the time. So I never had time to like, if I wasn't with somebody, I was sleeping. So right. I didn't have much time to think a lot. I think that happens when you have time to think and you're like, what am I going to do? What is this? <laughs> you know, trying to adapt. And when you have um, a space for that, but we would like play board games. And my mom has a pool, so people would be hanging out on the pool. So I, I think I, I, I didn't experience um, in a negative way, you know. Mm-hmm. I think, I, think uh, I was quite uh, relaxed because I had all these people there with me. And I'm like, hmm, why, why should I stress, you know? I need this, it's there. I, I need to do this, it's done. So I think I had a good experience in that sense. Absolutely. And I, I've said this to my partner, Mario, and anyone else who will listen, but um, if I was to have another, if we were to have another baby, I 1000% would get my parents, my mom especially, to stay with me for like a minimum of three weeks. Because I was, and don't get me wrong, I was very lucky. It's common here too that, you know, you might not have any family around. Around. Yeah. So I'm. Lu- yeah. I was lucky. I did have family, but as you experienced, yeah. it's different when they just come over for a few hours to help versus. Exactly. You, I think that that's the way to do it. What you just explained to me, and in, yeah. in certain cultures, like that's very common. Like in Chinese culture, yeah. it's a month that they they. I think it's called sitting in, where like that's what you do. You, you're the mm-hmm. the woman who has given birth is just taken care of. And yeah, I think that's really exactly. beautiful because in, in a lot of North American culture, we kind of forget about the mom. She's very much yeah. like, you know, we're so obsessed with when they're pregnant, you're beautiful, you're glowing, like you talked about with your pregnancy. And I was like, yeah. that. I was like, I felt beautiful. I didn't have um, a lot of issues and people were, you know, rushing to help you. And then yeah. after you give birth, they're like, we don't give, we don't care about you anymore. It's just about the baby. Yeah. And people um, and just I come think, to visit for like five, 10 minutes. Yeah. And I think that's a, um, I don't like to use right and wrong, but I don't think that's the approach that I would like to use. And I think yeah. taking care of the mom is so important because important. Yeah. Yes, it's so important. Like the baby, of course, but the baby's going to be a okay. But the mom mm-hmm. just been through a major thing with ha- having a birth. And then like we talked about emotionally, you just transitioned from being a woman into a mother. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a, it's such a big, big transformation that I I think we need to take a lot better care of the, especially, like I said, in North American culture, it's like, it's, it's not as ingrained as in, I think a lot of other places in the world and I'm all for it. And I think if I were to do it again, I would absolutely yeah, have my mom stay with me or go stay and um, just let that care happen for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think also because uh, as a woman, you, a lot of things are changing. Your body is changing. Your mind is changing. And mm-hmm. you have to ensure that you are doing everything right for this child. And if you don't have somebody 
who's there with an extra pair of eyes who can see it. This is correct, or you should do this. And somebody who has experience, especially for uh, first-time moms, that you, uh, for example, I was very scared of of bathing my son on the first like ten days, and my husband was there and he stepped in. So what if I was alone and I would have to do that myself when I am very scared, you know? So these are the things that end up stressing the person so much that you start overthinking things yes absolutely and and like you kind of said i think that's when a lot of women end up having big struggles which those can be so detrimental to not only the health of the mother but also the child and the family eventually so i think it's so important and is it is it quite common um in mozambique would you say in general that the woman would either stay with you know, her mom or mother-in-law or the parents would come stay. Yep. Yeah. That is very common. Yeah. I like that. I wish that was like a thing here, but that doesn't mean that I can't make it my own thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we can advise, we can, we can prove that it is better to have somebody there to help you. Absolutely. Because I love that you, yeah, and I love that you just kind of talked us through your experience because I think a lot of women, women listening um, yeah. have had that experience. And this isn't to say that, like, my experience wasn't beautiful or theirs wasn't. It's just yeah. to understand that that level of support can make you feel like you are able to be more calm and transition yeah. into motherhood so much different in a different way. Yeah. 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 So motherhood, like we talked about, is such a transformative experience. And I know it's sometimes hard to put into words that, you know, especially that beginning transformation. But the way I look at it, you know, like you're always kind of still becoming different parts of who you are as a a mother. Um, And I'm wondering for you, how would you say motherhood has changed you? So if you think about Larissa before um, you had your son, and Larissa kind of now, how do you think motherhood has changed who you are? Um, I think it has improved me in, in, in many ways. And um, it's, as you said, it's, it's difficult to, to explain, but I think um, in a sense, it makes me think rationally and uh, in terms of decision-making. I'm not just thinking about tomorrow in a year or two years, five years. I have to think how whatever I'm doing now is going to reflect in my son's life in 50 years. Uh, So I think um, everything I do, it's uh, small, big decisions. It's about the outcomes. It's about the plans. So you need to to be happy with uh, who I am today and how I want to see myself in I don't know how how long long term will be for myself and my son. So I think um, uh, the young Larissa, non mother, uh, <laughs> would. Um, use a lot more um a lot more no a lot less emotions and 
um, uh, structured um, thinking. But now I think it's 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 a lot more. And um, I was very uh, how can I say quick uh, in making decisions, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm this. <laughs> Uh, but now it's about what am I going to do? And I, I normally don't nowadays make decisions without consulting my husband, for example. But I, I was with my husband a long time ago. So it's, <laughs> yeah, that, it's that a matter of... <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think it's, it's more of an us uh, than me. So I think, I think that is a good transformation and I feel a bit more more mature um my sister for example she is 70 she looks like she's older than me a lot of people ask me who's the oldest so <laughs> I think um in terms of the looks I still look very young and very mature but I feel that I've changed in such ways and I think it's good and the other day I was talking to my husband and I was like hey I, I, I feel that we are good team you know so oh yeah and that's what you more and more I'm finding with hello yeah, I'm here. Okay. It just kind of broke for a second. Um, what oh. I was going to say was more and more I'm appreciating that me and my partner are such a good team because yeah. I think that is like such a huge part of what makes good good partners and what makes a good kind of family if you choose to have like a family unit it's like you do yeah. need that partner who can compliment you who you can like you exactly. said when you're trying to make big decisions they can really help you with that and what's the best for the family yeah i love it so switching gears a little bit the last thing i want to talk to you about was your work and how you kind of got into your work and why mm -hmm. being an advocate for education and for women is so important to you? Mm -hmm. um, well, I am um, trained in business. I studied all uh, about business um, and marketing uh, to be specific but I worked in education the past eight years. And uh, it's something that I've become very passionate about. And um, as a woman in, um, in Africa, in Mozambique, um, I see how education is important, but it's not as valued as education for boys. Mm. And um, I think there was a point in my life that I said, what can I do to help other women who don't have the same opportunities, who don't um, uh, have uh, the interest uh, in studying because they don't see a future. So I decided that I was going to do everything that I can to help other women to at least have the same opportunities that I have. 
And um, a couple of years ago, the park um, invited me to come here and uh, join them in, in a project uh, which was specific to ensure that girls have the same uh, opportunities for education as the boys. And I was over the top and I joined the park and I've been doing the work ever since. And I think um, it's one of the, the most rewarding things that I have in my life at the moment. So I'm, I'm very happy to, to be doing what I'm doing and uh, to be able to, to, to save lives, to be able to ensure that we have a future. Because if we are ensuring that all children have the same opportunities, that they have an education, we can also uh, ensure that there is a better tomorrow for everyone. So I think that's where my work is mostly focused on. Yes, that's amazing. It, it's just so awesome to hear you talk about how you have really integrated this into your work life and just thinking about the many, many women and girls that you have supported. It's just, it's really amazing. And the world could use many more of you. <laughs> yeah. That is for I sure. think it takes, it takes a herd. It takes a lot more than Gorongosa or Mozambique because this is happening all around the world. And um, I think it's, it's time we, we ensure that people get educated and people have knowledge. It's not even about academic um, education, but just that people have knowledge and they are able to get the same tools as everybody else. Because for me, the world seems very unfair the mm -hmm. way it is. So if we all get the same opportunities, then we, we, we are able to say that we are doing something. Absolutely. And it is. That's just a proven fact right now. The disparity in, you know, quality of education, in how wealth is distributed. It's vastly different depending where you are. And I am with you in the idea that if at the very least these basic things like like you yeah. said a good education it doesn't need to be even something like a university degree but that's great if that's what yeah. they decide to do but just to have yeah. the education to be equipped to make the decisions that are best for their life yep right as opposed to just following whatever is put in front of them like that's their only because it sometimes is their only option yeah yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just really impressed with the work that you're doing. And um, before we get to the lightning kind of round here and wrap up, I want to acknowledge you for the contributions you're having and continue to have. And thank you so much for being with us today on the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been so fun. My I haven't pleasure. spoken about my pregnancy in such a long time. So it's so fun. It, is <laughs> it, fun, right? it reminds me of, of those times. <laughs> the fun, happy times. Yeah. I had a really yeah. good pregnancy as well. So it was fun because it made me think of mine as well. Yeah, uh, okay. Lightning round. Let's get to it. What's your favorite book? Um, I have a lot of favorite <laughs> books, um, <laughs> but I just recently read Becoming and I fell in love with the book and it made me 
um, think how I am becoming as a person. So Absolutely. I think for the moment, becoming is my favorite book. It's a fantastic book. And Michelle Obama, yeah. I think, is, it might have launched already, but she's doing a podcast. So I'm excited to tune in when she starts that or it might already be launched. I'll have to check it out. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, favorite drink? Well, um, <laughs> I was forced by my husband to say water. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I am a bad water drinker. So I, I'm really, really trying to drink at least a liter of water every day. So I'm making water my favorite drink so that I can follow. <laughs> I love it. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast that you're listening to? Um, no, but I will start listening to yours. Yeah, you will. And yeah, check out Michelle <laughs> Obama's. I bet that's going to be awesome. Um, cool. we'll what's your that. favorite, favorite TV show or movie? Um, I would say favorite movie mm -hmm. that I always think about is Butterfly Effect. I don't know. If oh yeah, that. it's a good one. It all gets me back when I have to make big decision in my life. I always think of that movie. Oh, I love that. And I think it helps me and it guides me because everything you do has a reaction. Mm -hmm. And there's always that thing when people say, oh, if you have the thing, if you go back and change the smallest thing everything could be different so I think that is one of my favorite movies I love that I love that answer and what's um yeah. what's your favorite place you've traveled well I love everywhere where I travel <laughs> <laughs> but my latest trip was to Singapore and I loved it it was amazing we, my husband and I, um, decided to go without Ayo this time. And it was a really good time, a one-on-one -on -one time for us. So I, I really love that trip. I love that. Um, okay. And if you could jump on a plane tomorrow, cause we can't right now, but where would you go? Well, I don't think I'll be able to jump tomorrow as well. There's still COVID. Oh no. If we could, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kidding. Um, I, I have been seeing a lot of pictures of the Maldives, mm. so I think I'll go there. Gorgeous. I'll meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Final question. So at Cool Mom 101, mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to talk about is confidence. And so okay. I like to end with asking you, what does confidence mean to you? Hmm. I think... Confidence is a combination of things mm -hmm. that would um, have as the two main pillars. One would be knowledge. Knowledge is power. And the second thing would be strength. Uh, when I say strength, I don't mean external strength, but I mean uh, your, your inner power. Love that. Yeah. Inner power and knowledge, confidence. Yeah. 
I love it. Well, thanks so much, Larissa. This has been amazing. And I will talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.